on this podcast are that of the hosts and represent no other individual organisation or entity. Break the news 140, Adam. Yeah, we're, we're certainly cracking on at these break the news and we're coming at you from Sunday again, two weeks in a trot now. I wonder if Sunday evenings are going to be our main night of recording now. And I don't mind it because I've usually got a lot of energy restored by the time it's Sunday, but there's always that element of Sunday night blues going back to work for me. Yeah, Although I, I do mem- love my I job. remember actually, we, we started this on a Friday evening, didn't we? But now obviously, yeah, you, you don't particularly like to do Friday evenings, but I'm guessing that's probably because of, yeah, um, you've finished work, you want to get home. And I'd be falling asleep on you on a Friday mm. evening these days. Most weekday evenings, I end up falling asleep on the couch at some point these uh, days. But and like you, I say, yeah, I work Sundays, but I'm happy to do Sunday evenings. Saturdays would be better, but like I say, if I'm working on Saturday evenings, although it's not fixed contract, I've accepted some overtime. We'll just have to play it by ear and see what's happening each Saturday by Saturday, I think. We always seem to find a groove and find time to fit one in a week, don't we, Adam? And that seems good. that way. Yes, um, it, it is all about that work-life hobby balance. You, you've even managed to get a part running this week, haven't you? I have. Yes, I made some room for it, but like I said, no guarantee that I'm going to be able to get them in every week. I think it's going to be about fifty-fifty. To be all honest with you, I'm going to try and keep my Saturdays free. So hopefully. Most Saturdays I should get one in, but not every Saturday. I'll tell you something, I didn't do very well at all. Um, I got 20.44, which is 20 seconds slower than my PB at Myrtle. And, like I said, quite a lot slower than the um, two weeks ago when I did it at Roberts when I got my best ever time. So I was very disappointed with that. But, like I said, I've been working and managed to eat um, many proper meals. I've done less, slightly less running as well. I've been busy. Not being able to sleep as much either, so all, all of that has a knock-on effect. So I do think that my running's going to get worse and worse now, probably weeks to peak, and then it's going to collapse. But like I say, it all depends on how long I can stay in a job for. I'm sure you'll find your groove eventually, and I'm sure your job's going to be a, a success. You're still enjoying it, aren't you? Well, uh, a job's a job at the end of the day, isn't it? That's so I wouldn't true. necessarily say that I enjoy any job, but... You see, I'm really lucky because I, I do absolutely love my job, although the, it is hard work. I, I tell you what I would actually like as a job that I would enjoy. I'd either like to, uh, a job that <laughs> required me running or a job that uh, uh, actually being in Parliament, that would be an ideal job. But like I say, I don't think I'm going to get any of those types of jobs. So unfortunately, I'm going to have to have uh, uh, jobs that I dislike throughout my life. Not unless you wait a long time for the Conservative Party to get popular again, or you completely retract and renege on all of your principles. But I think politicians do that all the time, though. They pretend to believe things that they don't just so they can be successful in their careers. I think that's true. Um, Lots of MPs are frightened to say things in Parliament because they're worried about how it'll affect their career. 
I'm glad you're honest enough to not do anything like that. But that means that I won't be able to get into Parliament. That's the problem. Um, you need to be dishonest to get into Parliament, unfortunately. That's the state of our country. That's how we've ended up in the situation we're in at the moment. Things are still looking pretty grim this side of 2024, but... Thank you for listening to us on this, the 28th of January, 2024. If you do want to be part of the conversation, you can email us at breakthenewspod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. We've chosen some of the um, lighter stories to go with this week, I think. But your lead story is actually one that I've not heard on the news myself. So I'm, I'm going to learn this as well. So it, at least we've gone off the beaten track a little bit. So several countries, including the UK, have suspended funding for the UN Agency for Palestinian Refugees, UNRWA. This decision follows the agency's announcement of staff terminations over allegations of involvement in the 7th of October Hamas attacks. The UK, US, Australia, Italy, Canada, Finland the Netherlands, Switzerland and Germany are among the countries that have halted additional funding. Israel has accused UNRWA of bias and anti-Semitism, linking its staff to Hamas. UNRWA, created in 1949, provides humanitarian aid in Gaza, the West Bank, Jordan, Lebanon and Syria. The suspension of aid has faced criticism for its potential impact on displaced civilians and regional stability. Investigations are underway and major donors, including the UK, US and EU, are reviewing their support based on the findings. What do you make about this? So an organisation for Palestinian refugees um, is representing Palestinian refugees. What do we what more can we expect? It's a shame that we're not investigating these agencies and making sure they're on the up and up before we start giving them money. Yeah, but the UN's funded by all the different uh, countries, isn't it? Uh, people trust the UN, but I I've always been sceptical of the UN for these sorts of reasons. I think they play too much into the left. I think they're very, very woke of these UN organisations, so they'll sympathise with the bad guys a lot. Well, in this case, the UN have clearly failed and funded the wrong agency, and it probably won't be the last time they make a... But this is a UN agency. This is a specific UN agency, so should we maybe... Stop funding the UN as well if the UN are um, supporting agencies like this. As well as members of the UN, like us, should hold the organisation as a whole accountable. I'd rather be, you know, inside the tent p***ing out than outside the tent p***ing in. If we can't trust them, yeah, we, we need to really seriously look at the money that's being spent on the UN, especially if they're funding terrorist organisations. But if the UK left the UN, we would put ourselves up to all sorts of risk. We'd become an enemy of Europe. Europe are already cheesed off at us over the whole Brexit thing. And uh, we wouldn't get on with America either, would we? A lot of Europe is actually moving to the right in their elections. 
and it looks like we're going to be moving left this year because our leaders have failed us for so long. So we're going to be moving to the Labour Party, aren't we, about some things? We've seen this week some of the polls have actually increased reform UK's lead, but they're not going to be able to overtake Labour, are they? They could overtake the Lib Dems, though, from the data well, you showed they me. they might overtake the Lib Dems, and they could even get close to taking over the Conservatives if they carry on at the rate they're going. I'm not saying they will. I think towards the election, I think a lot of the Reform UK support will actually go back towards the Conservative Party because a lot of the voters that have uh, gone for the Reform UK actually voted for the Conservatives in the 2019 general election. Going back to the UN here, though, I'm quite convinced that a lot of the individuals involved high up in the UN are involved in the arms trade and weapons manufacture. So the longer and more these wars go on for, the better they personally are. I was listening to a fascinating radio documentary this week about um, a guy called the Merchant of Death, who was an arms dealer who did just that. He sold arms to both sides in several world conflicts and made an absolute fortune while he was at it. Absolute scumbaggery. And I bet he's not the only one. Yeah, uh, I think there's loads. And, but the trouble is people are losing money from these wars. It's creating really nasty inflation. But that doesn't affect the all-important top 1%, does it? So they don't care. Well, a lot of the rich actually benefit from these sorts of stuff as well. They, they make bets on... Uh, what's going to happen within the um, financial markets and stuff. And that's why, sadly, I think these wars are going to rumble on for a long time, if not get worse. And actions and organisations like this in, in the UN are part of it. Yeah, um, it's not looking good. Good on you for finding that and raising it, Adam. Yeah, that's the reason why I um, found that article. Another concerning article, not sure if you saw this news story, but the UK's military faces significant reductions may require public mobilisation in the event of war, according to Army Chief General Sir Patrick Sanders. With the British Army at its smallest size in centuries, he emphasised the need for the government to mobilise the nation, especially if conflict arises with Russia Sanders critical of troop cuts, advocates for a mental shift among civilians to be prepared for potential call-ups if NATO engages with Russia. This follows a broader NATO warning of potential all-out war, prompting considerations of mobilisation reservists or conscription. Despite ruling out conscription, Saunders urges a change in mindset, drawing parallels with the threat from Russia highlighted in a 2022 speech amidst global tensions, defence spending debates and recruitment challenges. The military faces pressure to address personnel shortages and prepare for potential conflicts. Would you fight in this country, Roger? Do you mean for this country? Yeah. Would I chuff? I'm happy to speak out for this country and defend this country, not physically. 
and work for the good of this country, but I'm not going out killing people. Not a chance. No, and for the stuff that the country's doing, and I've seen how corrupt the country's been, I don't think there's really much to defend, is there, really? Why, why would you go and defend something that you don't solely believe in? Well, it's not so much that either. It's just the fact that I would be a totally useless soldier as well. I would be utterly frightened. I'd be physically incapable. I'd be a liability. I'd have no business out there. Yeah, and I'm I'm not trained. Um, I may be able to I may be able to run quite fast away from stuff. Although most of it's on machinery, and I'm not very strong. Um, I'm not trained, so I'd be pretty useless as well. I do worry more about this for the likes of my three daughters. Our modern, diverse army would probably happily recruit young girls and even put them on the front lines, which I would not be too happy with, especially with it being my daughters. Do you think if there were a war, though, do you think people would um, leave the country? It depends if they'd be able to or not. Would they try to uh, leave the country rather than fight? You could could always uh, get on a boat and go to an island like the Republic of Ireland. They might not be involved because they're a smaller country, perhaps, or... Possibly. I mean, I'm pretty sure that I wouldn't get called up to any sort of active service anyway because of my age and physical ability. But it is a different question when it comes to my girls. I'm young. I'm Well, I'm quite physically healthy. I'd probably be in the firing line to be called up, wouldn't I? It's quite a scary thought that we're actually even having to think about this and debate about this, that people are already starting to mention it. And it is a fact that numbers in the army are dwindling because people haven't had a reason to be patriotic and and proud of this country proud of britain in the last couple of decades yeah, what is the, what is there to be proud of we've got nhs waiting lists going well they may be coming down but they're high we've got excess deaths we've got high crime uh, which we will be talking about later and we've got uh, broken services all across the country. Uh, I don't see what there is to be proud of, really, anymore. I think there'll always be a few die-hard patriots who, if there is a war, they will go out and, and fight a war. But that's definitely not me, and I think, sadly, that number of people is few and far between. You know, I think it's going to get fewer and fewer. I think a lot of the people that will be more likely to fight will be older people because they're more enriched within the culture. Because I'm thinking like World War One and Two, when you know young people would even lie about their age to conscript and fight for their country. This modern generation of young people probably have more sense or they don't have that sense of pride in the country. And I don't blame Although them. I want to, I'd like to change the country. I, don't, I wouldn't actually go out and physically fight for the country. What's the difference there, eh? Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you there, Adam. Um, I really want to make this country a better place, and I think that's where the fight should be. Never mind trying to knock seven bells out of other countries and um, prove a point. Yeah, no, Let's no, focus on you, ourselves. And, and put your life at risk. I, I think we're already too much a, and a part of these wars like Ukraine and the Middle East. I think we try. Mm. I think we've got delusions of grandeur, and it's not doing any good. The people like are still say, dying. We've been getting involved, and I think there's been more stories in this in the last week with the uh, Houston rebels. Um, they've been attacking us. We've been attacking them. So there's already a, a war brewing up in the Middle East. There, 
And there's certainly a second Cold War happening now with Russia. It's grim times. It's very worrying times. All of these horrible things are happening in the world. But what can the government do something about quickly? The post office. And why? Because ITV did a drama about it. I think ITV should do um, dramas about the state of Bradford or something. Or about these foreign wars. And then maybe something else would get done. But the... Gaze of Sauron for the last two weeks has certainly been on the Royal Mail. Well, Ofcom is considering reducing UK postal deliveries to three days a week, citing concerns about the outdated and unsustainable nature of the current system. Royal Mail also supports the need for reform as traditional letter deliveries decline, while parcel deliveries become more profitable. Ofcom estimates potential savings of 400 to 650 million. That's about a quarter of what was pledged to Ukraine, wasn't it, last Mm. month? By cutting delivery days due to the impact of the pandemic and other challenges on Royal Mail's financial performance. Despite concerns, Ofcom's research indicates people prioritise letter delivery reliability over frequency. Small businesses express worries, but the UK government emphasises the importance of maintaining Saturday deliveries. The Communication Workers' Union opposes cutting delivery days, suggesting a reduction in delivery speed as an alternative. Other countries have already adjusted their postal delivery schedules. Royal Mail's CEO calls for the UK to adapt to changing trends, and Ofcom calls for a national discussion on the future of Royal Mail. What do you think the future of letter delivery is, Adam? That's a good question, because more people use the internet nowadays than ever before actually so there's not as much need for letters i know there's still few some important letters that still come through and things but like i said they're they're much further and few and further between than what they used to be so maybe three days a week um could be more profitable for our mail and i actually find myself a lot less fussed about this than um I, i thought i would be I remember, this makes me feel old, even though I'm not even 40 yet, seeing the postman arriving at my family home in Rochdale at 7 o'clock in the morning every single day except for Sunday. And now in Bradford, you know, we're lucky if they rock up before 3 in the afternoon. But all they ever do deliver is junk mail, really. We even now our bills are all online now. A lot of stuff out, yeah. That's the that's the thing. So there's a lot less letters. Um, so it's not exactly the most feasible thing to be doing. And anyway, even though they're not supposed to, be, parcels do appear to be taking priority. If you get a letter, sometimes it comes days after when it was supposed to arrive. Well, it's a shame that Royal Mail didn't innovate sooner because other delivery services are absolutely booming because they're able to deliver the service that retailers like Amazon and other mm. retailers expect. That is true, but Royal Mail have been stopped heavily by Ofcom and the government from doing this in the past. Um, so they've been forced to stick to a six-day letter week. And there's just no money in letters anymore, is there? Not as much, no. Um, obviously, the stamps rise each uh, yeah, but like I say, if they raise the stamps, it encourages more companies to save money and do do it online. So although it does feel like a bit of a shame in a way, and certainly a shame for them posties delivering letters, I can't really find too many grounds to protest about this. I think it's a sensible move, and like I say, it's 
it's a service that's not as needed as much as what it was back in the day because Royal Mail was the way of communicating. Now emails replaced that a lot. So Royal Mail's not as essential service. So I'm more than happy for Royal Mail to make its own decisions and to go ahead with things. I'm uh, afraid, I know it may be seen controversial, but I think we've got to move over the times here. I do worry for the future of Royal Mail and the post office, actually, because these institutions just seem to be going down and down and down and not keeping up with the times. I think that's because they're heavily regulated, isn't it? It's like Ofcom that regulates Royal Mail, and regulations not uh, always make uh, companies the best, does it? Especially not when they're regulated by a government like ours. It's a shame. I hope Romel can find a way to recover, but um, I can't see it. I can't. Be, I can't be hopeful about that. One. No, but I think they, if they were going to reduce it to five or even three days a week. Uh, I think the government will step in because there are a lot of older people who are generally more conservative voters um, who rely a lot more on mail um, because they prefer things to be physical rather than digital. So I do see that. Um, they won't want um, Royal Mail to be reducing its service, especially not just before an election. But our government don't seem to be able to achieve anything quickly unless ITV make a drama about it. That's true, yes, um, which they did. They made a massive drama about the post office and, yeah, um, it sounds like things are happening there now. But like I say, um, still the victims of that scandal have not been uh, correctly compensated, have they? No, but it should happen a lot quicker now. And it was rightly lambasted at Prime Minister's mm. Questions this week. Was that? Yeah, when, uh, I never actually got a chance to watch them in the end because I've been so busy working, but yeah, it doesn't surprise me. One of the MPs raised that it does seem to get anything done at the moment in this country. ITV need to make a drama out of it. And I couldn't um, help but smile and slightly agree about that. One thing that is... Um, a potential concern, and we have talked about this issue before on the podcast, is the amount of illegal vapes in this country. So the UK seized over 4.5 million illegal vapes, weighing almost 10 tonnes in the past year. A fourfold increase from 2022. Authorities are grappling with unlicensed imports, particularly of disposable vapes popular among youth. The government responding to calls for regulation might ban disposable vapes due to concerns of marketing to children Chinese-made vapes with larger liquid amounts and promises of thousands of puffs are readily available. Despite strict limits on nicotine in legal UK vapes, illegal ones lack quality control and may contain harmful substances. The Home Office vows to combat illegal sales with border force, intercepting shipments, trading standards, teams target vapes within the UK, seizing over a million last year. Manchester experienced a tenfold increase in illegal vape seizures, while Heathrow's borough saw a decline, possibly due to increased airport enforcement the government plans to introduce new rules potentially including a ban on disposables licensing for retailers 
and taxes to curb illegal imports. However, industry insiders fear a ban could drive demand for illicit vapes, emphasising the need for a comprehensive strategy. What do you make of this, Roger? I think both sides are right there. There does need to be a comprehensive strategy when these vapes do become available because there will be an illicit trade in them. And in my opinion, the sooner that disposable vapes especially are banned, the better. I think a lot of them are already illicit anyway, aren't they? And the government have said before, oh, we're going to make disposable vapes available, we're going to do it. But they haven't done, have they? Clearly, no one's made an ITV drama out of that yet, have they? No, and it, it seems to be a lot worse from what I've heard. Vaping is very bad in West Yorkshire. Um, seems to be a hotspot, doesn't it? Well, there's a shop near me on Manchester Road that looks just like a children's sweet shop, but it doesn't sell sweets. It's Well, it does sell sweets. It sells cannabis-flavoured sweets, but it, it sells adult products. And I think it's quite sick, actually, that things that are only supposed to be consumed by adults are clearly being marketed at kids. And the the shop will ID them, the shop will just sell them all. Well, to be fair on them, I've actually never seen anyone in the shop. It's always just the assistants mooching around. I only ever pass it in the daytime. Mm. And it does stay open until very, very late. So I reckon there's probably um, other things going on there, like money laundering. It's a horrible, ugly trade and... Anything that even comes close to peddling addictive substances to children sickens me. And I think that the adults who, well, so-called adults who go out and enjoy these bubblegum berry and strawberry delight flavours need to look at themselves because you're being complicit in this trade that targets children. If you're addicted to nicotine, smoke a fag and then I'll at least have a modicum of respect for you. Yeah. Um, it's not on at all. I think it's um, um, an absolute disgrace of what's going on. Yeah, people are vaping while they're not supposed to be vaping. You can smell the smell of raspberry kush everywhere you go, especially in Bradford. It must be a misery for you on the buses, Adam. Yes, uh, it's not great. And that's, that's the reason why I'd like to learn to drive as well. But, yeah, it's saving money because, like I say, if I have early starts, late starts, I have to get taxes. And then um, on the buses, it's just a pain, so... And your taxi probably smells of vape in Bradford. Some of them, I think, probably do, yeah. It's that sickly, horrible, cheap, sweety smell everywhere. Oh, honestly, sometimes I, I would rather just smell a, a dirty cigarette. Yeah, it's always interesting when you see a cigarette, isn't it? Because they are quite few and far between, but older people, they're more likely to use cigarettes and younger people are more likely to use the vapes. But I honestly think in 10, 20 years' time, the next generation are going to look back on us and say, shame on you that you allowed these things to be marketed to children for so long. Why did your government not do anything? Well, because it was Sunak and Court. They were profiting off it. Oh, yeah, fair enough. Well, I don't know about that, but um, it all just depends on how, 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 whether there's any serious side effects to them, doesn't it, as to whether or not uh, they look back on this. The side effect that we've got, apart from anything else, is nicotine addiction. People spending money they don't have in the cost of living crisis on a substance that does them no good whatsoever. Yeah, and probably does them some sort of harm as well. Exactly. It's shameful that it's being 
allowed and not discouraged, especially when cigarettes are being rightly stamped down on so harshly. We should be doing exactly the same to the vape trade, but we're not. That is definitely something that I'll be keeping an eye out and voting. It well will influence my voting decision about that. Yes, um, but none of the parties seem to really be committing to any policies about it, do they, really? I suppose, yeah, because they don't want to lose young voters and vaping is still very popular among the young. Just a few hours after recording this podcast, Adam and I were delighted to hear Rishi Sunak's announcement that disposable vapes are indeed set to be banned as part of plans to tackle the rising number of young people taking up vaping. And measures will also be introduced to prevent vapes being marketed at children and to target underage sales. He is hoping it all goes through quickly. Did yeah. you know, actually, alcohol drinking is actually less popular in recent years. Alcohol is going out of fashion. Really? It is, yes. So people are replacing alcohol with vapes. I don't know what they're replacing it with. I would imagine so. Vapes are very expensive and so is alcohol. So if people can get an illegal vape and they're more addicted to the vapes than alcohol, maybe that might be the reason why there might be less alcohol sales perhaps. I think there's also an increase in so-called legal highs like laughing gas and in America spices is a huge problem, although that's not a legal high anymore. Maybe because there's other ways to get your buzz quicker, more delayed gratification and probably more cost effective. But even even alcohol's um, not as popular, but any addictive substance is awful. Yeah, I agree. So I'm, I'm actually caught myself getting quite surprised at how angry I got over that one, Adam. Yeah, <laughs> um, like I said, that's the reason why I shared it, because... I knew it was quite a serious uh, topic. Another piece of news that's happened today that I actually quite surprised myself about was my reaction when I heard that environmental protesters had targeted the Mona Lisa at the Louvre in Paris. So you know the Mona Lisa, don't you, Adam? That painting of a woman who might be smiling, might not. I don't think I do, actually. That's probably one of the most famous paintings in the world. I'll make it the logo for this podcast so, uh, so you know it. Yeah, I'll do that and then I'll be able to see well, it. it. was painted by Leonardo da Vinci and it's probably one of the most famous paintings in the world. And it's kept at the Louvre in Paris and um, it's been targeted by protesters and one of them threw soup at the 16th century artwork to advocate for healthy and sustainable food. The protesters, affiliated with a group called Reposte Alimentaire, which means food counterattack, argued for integrating food into the social security system and demanded a 150 euro monthly food card for citizens. The Louvre confirmed the painting was undamaged as it was behind protective glass. The museum evacuated the area, cleaned it and plans to file a complaint. France's Minister for Culture condemned the act, emphasising the importance of preserving heritage. This incident follows previous acts of vandalism on the Mona Lisa. What do you think, Adam? Well, no vandalism is good, is it? So, but like I said, I think there's always going to be tax. It doesn't look like the world's heading in a very good place, does it? No. What sort of punishment do you think these protesters slash vandals should get? Um, I'm not sure what they will get because it's a different country, but like I say, I think we do need some sort of deterrent. Um, maybe a six-month prison sentence for criminal damage might be um, a suitable um, punishment. Jail time. A, a bit of 
Yeah. Not maybe not a lot because it's not a very serious crime, but I mean at least maybe a few months in prison should teach them a lesson. And I don't disagree with you too much, Adam. I found myself looking at this, thinking about it and thinking, yeah, I don't agree with vandalism and I don't agree with attacks that worry and scare people. But actually what's actually happened here? They've thrown a bit of soup at some glass. It's been cleaned off. No one's actually been harmed. So do you know what? I say, slap on the wrist job, move on. And I find myself weirdly, not siding with the protesters here, but I'm not hugely in opposition of a a protest like this. It's disruptive, which sometimes a protest needs to be if you want something to change. No one's been actually harmed. The painting's not been harmed. The protester who threw it would have known damn well the Mona Lisa is behind glass. It's the most famous painting in the world. Of course it is. Anyone who visits the Mona Lisa knows it's behind huge, thick glass. I've not visited it, and even I know that. So I think this is just a, a loud statement that's been made, and fair enough they've made it, and it's drawn attention to their cause. So I say fair enough on this one, actually. I'm not going mad about this protest. Well, they could have potentially broke the glass, though, couldn't they? Not the glass surrounding the Mona Lisa, mate. It's bulletproof, that stuff. A soup wouldn't stand a chance, even if it was hot. <laughs> the glass surrounding the Mona Lisa in the Louvre is, is absolutely thick as anything. Well, I've learned something new that I didn't realise it was so famous, and I've never even seen it before, so... Oh, well, absolutely. And you'll be able to see it in the artwork of this podcast. Yeah. I'm, I'm oh, sure no, you'll The reckon- thing that I do know about Paris, the thing that I have seen a lot, is the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> I'm sure you'll recognise the Mona Lisa when you, you see it. Might have seen, yeah, might. Like I said, I won't be able to tell you that until next week, and I'll probably forget, to be honest. And as for the idea of um, giving people, not universal income, but universal food vouchers, what do you think of that? Well, that would be better than universal income. I'm not sure whether it's the right approach. At least we know that the money's been sent on a, spent on essential things if we are going to give money. So I do think it's better than universal income because at least you know it's going to be spent on something that they need. But I, I do think that we need to encourage work because if no one works, uh, there wouldn't be any food. I agree, but it's an idea that I'd be willing to consider and give a go to, similar to how I've said free school meals for all kids. But we have to be careful not to be in a nanny state. Anyway, this is a French problem for the French, but in terms of this protest, I won't go so far as saying good on them, but I will say fair play. Okay, fair enough. The last new story we've got to share is another one to do with culture and art, and it's our city of culture. And at the end of our last podcast, I did talk about Bradford Live and about the stellar opening acts that the venue had announced, an ABBA tribute band. But this week, probably due to the reaction about it, there has been a bit of a backpedalling, because the first acts announced for Bradford Live are not the opening acts, councillors have been told. Earlier this month, the NEC group finally made the first announcements regarding acts that will be playing in the 3,800 capacity music venue in the city centre due to open this autumn. They included ABBA tribute, Thank You for the Music, and another tribute act, Legend, the music of Bob Marley. Although both are highly regarded acts, many in Bradford were disappointed that the first announcement for the venue, which has been in the planning stages for years, were tribute acts. 
This concern was seemingly addressed at the meeting of Bradford Council on Tuesday. In a question asking for an update on Bradford Live, the council's executive responded, The various works to redevelop the venue are going well. The venue is scheduled to open in the autumn, although the exact date has yet to be confirmed. The project celebrated a significant milestone last week as the first shows of the launch season were announced by the NEC group. We understand that while these may be the first shows announced, they are not the opening acts. And over the coming weeks and months, many more events will be announced, including original artists and shows. This is an extremely exciting time for the district, and like everyone else, we're eagerly awaiting the next announcements. Do you think all the roadworks and fuss are going to be worth it, Adam? Not really, no. From what I've seen and my experiences, people um, go for the night out in towns and cities around Bradford rather than actually in Bradford, don't they? So are you not putting in much hope that, apart from these tribute bands, they're going to announce some decent shows to happen at this Bradford Live? Well, a lot of them might manage to get one or two, but it's going to, yeah, they're probably fucking find it tricky. And like I say, if they talk about original, it might be original uh, bands that are not uh, very big. It might be Adam and Roger break the news live recording session. Come on down to Bradford Live. Doubt it'll be that. Hey, Bradford Live, if you do want to book us, we're available. Breakthenewspod at gmail.com. Drop me a line. Hey, you know, we're nearly up to 650 downloads on this thing. They'll probably have some young band members who were trying to become radio presenters and stuff at VCV down there. I can whip out my ukulele. I'd, yeah, I hope they do manage to get something good, uh, but I am worried. Bradford has so many really good live venues, but it just can't get the acts. I mean, Bradford Playhouse is beautiful. St George's Hall... And the Alhambra, we have a stadium in Oddsall that we can't ever fill. I can't see a big future for this, and it's a shame because I, I do wish it would do well. But yeah, you've got loads of space near your house. You have a, an old swoop, but we've got an Oddsall stadium, but none of them are being used properly. None of them being used at all, really. This stadium and rugby ground was actually quite busy this weekend because. Bradford faced Leeds, Bradford Bulls against Leeds, uh, and actually Bradford thrashed Leeds, so it was quite a cheerful day around my area on Saturday. Could you hear it from your house? Yeah, I can always hear it from my house when they do Speedway, but the rugby games aren't usually busy unless it's against Halifax or Leeds or Huddersfield, you know, one of the local... Uh, yeah, because it's literally just around matches. the corner from your house, isn't it? So you'll hear all cheering. It is, but unless it's a local match, it's not really a factor. Uh, which is a shame, but that's the state of sport in Bradford and rugby league in general, I think. But Bradford Live at the moment does not look as if it's going to be the jewel in the crown that certainly the council are hoping it will be. I really hope that we can have a pleasant surprise and get some amazing opening acts announced for there, but if they're going to be in the same league as uh, ABBA and Bob Marley tribute bands, then I've not got much hope. No. Well, we hope that our podcast has entertained you this week and that you've enjoyed listening i'm going to put a push out for more listeners and let a few more new people know about this so if you are new welcome and thank you for listening and if you want to be part of the action break the news pod at gmail.com yes be sure to get in touch and be sure to share with your family and friends and hopefully providing that we're not too busy hopefully we'll be back again next week sometime Always a pleasure, Adam. Take care. Take care. Thank you. Bye. It's just a